It's that time, the Betting Predators Podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. Joined here by the fantasy football fanatic, Chris Dell. You guys can get him on Twitter at Matt. <clears throat> fantasy football fanatic. You guys can get him on Twitter. Fantasy football fanatic. Fantasy football fanatic Chris Dell. You guys can get him on Twitter at Matt Journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Week 5. This is going to be our player prop fantasy podcast. We did one last week, and uh, we had a lot of success with that. We had a lot of listeners on that one. A lot of people were super happy. So we're going to go through all the games on the Sunday card, whether it would be a 1 o'clock or a 4 o'clock. We're going to skip the games that have gotten pushed, and we obviously won't talk about the Sunday night game. So we just want to fo- focus. So we just want to focus on the main slate and go through all the games and kind of just you know get everything on paper and get our our mind uh, kind of wrapped around what these games are going to look like, what the game plans might look like, and then really start focusing on some players and making some making some pretty good prop wagers and plugging our guys into our fantasy league. So it should be interesting. Now I will give you guys the lines. We're going to start out with the pair. <clears throat> We're going to go ahead and start out with the Panthers and the Falcons. Falcons minus one, total of 53 and a half. Chris, you know, when I sat down, I thought about this game. I'm thinking about the Falcons. They can't play anybody heads up when it comes to their defense. They're going to have to go ahead and they're going to have to drop guys back in coverage. I can see them probably blitzing three guys, four guys, but no more. Sorry. I could see Atlanta probably going ahead and probably trying to get after the quarterback and after Bridgewater with like three or four guys. They're going to have no no choice really but to go ahead and drop guys back in coverage. And I think that it gives Mike Davis an opportunity to go ahead and probably grind up, you know, a decent amount of rushing yards in this one. I think his rushing and receiving yards, I'm going to guess, is probably somewhere around 85 Right now is receiving yards 37 and a half and his rushing yards are 58 and a half. So that would put him at 95, 96 yards. I, I'm guessing it would come in a little bit lower. But I think Davis has, has a pretty big game lined up here. Uh, Bonifon's going to be out. He's now on the IR. So I think this game certainly sets up for Mike Davis to have a pretty big game reason is Bridgewater he's gonna have probably six or seven guys back there in coverage and you know it makes no sense for him to go ahead and and really try to squeeze the ball into more to really try to squeeze the ball into to Robbie Anderson just check down you know maybe the tight end gets a couple extra looks everything underneath seems kind of easy and just run the ball with Davis now the only problem is that if Atlanta's offense goes off then you have Carolina kind of you know playing from behind and maybe it takes Davis out. But I think that, you know, that Atlanta defense is just that poor that, you know, Carolina can probably go, you know, score for score with them. So I would go ahead. I would look Davis over his rushing yards, 58 and a half. Davis over his receiving yards, 37 and a half. And if you could find the rushing and receiving, you know, somewhere around maybe 89 and a half, somewhere around there, uh, I would go ahead and play him uh, over those. So. That's one way I'm looking, certainly looking to go ahead and plug him into my fantasy league. He'll probably be, you know, one of the running backs that I certainly go ahead and target. What do you think about that game in particular? Yeah, Sleepy. So I've got Mike Davis and fantasy ranked as the RB10 
overall this week. And the consensus ECR has him at RB11, right? So he's, he's a clear-cut uh, RB1, albeit a low-end RB1 in this game. And you mentioned it, the rushing and receiving. And I feel like in, to, to you, you could bet both individually, don't get me wrong. I, I think that he could easily get over 50 yards rushing and over 50 yards receiving, but you're going to see those numbers juiced up a bit. And I think the, where the soft number might be in order to attack and get some value, like you said, is going to be on the rushing and the receiving. And the reason I say that is because if you get a game script that goes in the opposite way of what you're thinking here, you're going to lose one of those bets. So instead of trying to split it down the middle, I think it's really dependent on if you have a conviction here in terms of how you think this game script is going to play out. And, you know, our guy Smooth, he does our matchup columns every week, and you can find those on bettingpredators.com. You know, and, and as a few other guys on the team think that the wrong team is favored here. So Falcons right now are sitting at minus one. Uh, but, you know, why is an 0-4 team favored, even though they're at home in this game, to a 2-2 two and two Panthers team that's basically been exceeding expectations this season? So, you know, if the Panthers fall be, play from behind and fall behind in this game, then you're going to see Davis go over the receiving yards. However, if things go like they've been going these first four weeks, then I think that we're assuming that the Panthers are going to be playing from ahead most likely in this game, which means Davis is probably less likely to rack up those receiving yards. So I think the only way you can look in this game, if you think the Panthers are going to dominate, then you go Mike Davis over rushing. If you think the Falcons are going to show up and this is going to be a back and forth affair, but I actually would think I would lean towards either the rushing or the rushing and receiving. I'm actually probably going to fade his receiving total. I'm not going to bet the under, but I just don't see the Panthers having to play from behind and they're not going to have to force feed Davis targets in this game. So that's kind of a you know, long winded way of saying that uh, earlier in the year, we were looking at Mike Davis overs because we were projecting the Panthers to play from behind but now they're looking good and they're playing a bad team. So I would only look towards the over on rushing. And I think the best play would be the over on rushing and receiving combined. Well, right now on DraftKings, his receptions is listed as five and a half and it's plus plus one thirty. So, you know, you'll get a little bit, you know, the main reason I like that one is I, I, I know that that, that Falcon secondary is, is just a big liability. And if they're dropping guys back in coverage, it's like, all right, you're going to give us everything underneath. They're going to give us everything short hand it off, dump it to him, hand it off, dump it to him. And then eventually, you know, Atlanta's going to go, okay, cool. Well, you know, the bend and don't break is just killing us underneath. They're moving the change, you know, it's, and, and then that defense mm-hmm. starts getting whipped or out there for so freaking long. It's like, you know, th- then they have to switch. So um, I, I, <clears throat> I agree with your analysis there, but I also yeah. think that, <clears throat> hold on, let me, <clears throat> hold on. <clears throat> Sorry. So I agree with your analysis there, but I also agree kind of, you know, with mine in a sense. So the fact that you don't want to play Davis over, oh, fuck. Hold on. People are, people are subscribing to our website, so I can't bitch about that. (laughs) Hold on, let me start that over. But I do agree with your analysis there on Davis. I mean, it does make sense, but I think it also makes sense for, you know, for me with my thinking of what Atlanta might do in this game defensively, um, that I at least have a shot. You know, one of the reasons I gave that out, Chris, is because I I can't find a rushing and receiving prop on Davis on DraftKings or on FanDuel. So, 
that was why I gave it out the way that I gave it out. But it was funny too, because the first thing I looked at was rushing and receiving. That was the first thing I went and looked for. Cause I'm like, dude, if I get to that like 85, I'm like, I'm, I'm taking that over all day. But it, right now it's just, it's not available. So I guess I'm being a little bit greedy, but we're obviously going to search for that one. Right. Yeah. Sleepy. And look, I mean, we're recording here. It's Friday, a little past midnight. So Saturday morning, it's about one right now we're recording this. And it's unfortunate that DraftKings, they, they've been, you know, don't, don't, don't get us wrong here. These books have been taking a beating on these props this year and they've got to cover themselves somehow. So I'm only seeing like two total props in terms of rushing and receiving yards available for the entire slate here. So if we do see these numbers released, definitely keep an eye out on that because if you combine the total for Mike Davis, I think you're looking at about close to like 95 and a half total yards, which I would definitely feel more comfortable playing the over on. And like I said, this is all about game script. So over 58 and a half rushing yards, I would feel comfortable playing that total. He had five catches last week, which would be under the turn, the current reception total. And that's a game where the Panthers won by 10 points over Arizona, where I think you want to look in this game is you want to look towards Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And these are the clear cut one and two options in these offenses. And DJ Moore, we've talked about him many times, Sleepy, as much as he's been a disappointment in fantasy, he's still seeing close to 50% of the air yards in this offense. And when do air yards become more successful than normal weeks is when you play against this Atlanta Falcons secondary. So the fact that the market has now moved, the receiving yards total prop is more for Anderson than it is for Moore. And that's the first time we're seeing that all year. So DJ Moore at over 70 and a half receiving yards, I'm definitely going to be looking there. And I don't think that Moore and Anderson are bad plays either because they're both sitting at five and a half for their reception. So I think it's going to be a very concentrated passing attack here for Carolina, and they're going to exploit that matchup. And I think they're going to exploit it with their top two receivers here. So that's where I would look first in this game is towards DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, both in the low 70s for receiving yards and both at five and a half receptions. I think those are solid plays all around for those two. What do you think about Ridley? We know that Julio Jones is banged up. He's questionable for this week. At least that's what I saw with the hamstring injury. Ridley right now, 83 and a half. Is there a chance he probably goes off this week? Like, is that a guy you would be targeting or would you be targeting maybe like a like a Hurst? Who would you be looking at? If you had to look at anybody in that Atlanta offense, who, who would you go and, and kind of target? Yeah, Sleepy, and I'm trying to look here on, on DraftKings and Bet Online AG. So those are the two books I have in front of me. And unfortunately, I'm not seeing anything on the receiving yards total because of the Julio Jones uncertainty right now. And the thing is with Ridley, like I'm a little bit bitter because – I, I put out on Twitter his over on receiving yards on Monday night, and the dude had a zero for zero line on five targets. So let, let, let's, uh, I don't want to get started on that one, to, to put it lightly there. So um, I'm a little bit worried because Ridley's been banged. He's had like three different injuries this season so far through four weeks. So Julio might miss this game, but even if Ridley plays, he's going to be banged up. So I would actually look at a guy named Olamatis Zacchaeus, who had a team high nine targets in that game against the Packers on primetime. And if Ridley's banged up. The defense is still going to be putting their attention on him. And then, you know, not to mention the fact that Julio might be out. So, you know, Matt Ryan and that banged up Falcons offensive line, they got to take what they can get. He might be throwing it to guys like Christian Blake, Olamides Zacchaeus. Uh, Hayden Hurst's target volume has been pretty low this year. He's been a, a pretty disappointing fantasy draft pick as well. So I would look towards Ridley's health status. And, you know, if the yardage is, yardage is in the 70s, I do think it's a good bet if he's healthy. But that's the main thing is we don't know if he's healthy. So 
If Julio is out, I'm looking towards Ola Meda because that guy's receiving yards line might be around 40 or 50, and, and that might be a really exploitable number right there. All right. Well, as I said, Ridley right now, 83 and a half receiving yards. So that'll be something that we could certainly look at. As Chris had mentioned, you know, we're doing this on Friday. So we still have a couple of days left before all these numbers come out. Let's jump over to our next game here. Chris going to look at the, uh, why don't we do the Chiefs and the Raiders? Chiefs going to be minus 11 and a half total right now in this game is 55. Uh, I'll let you go ahead and go first on this one. Tell me what you got. Yeah, so in this game, I mean, running backs have been having a lot of a lot of success against the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, in, in terms of just fantasy points in general, I think running backs have scored like 50% of their team's points against the Raiders, which is the highest in the league here. So you talk about positive game script for the Kansas City Chiefs being, you know, 11, what, 11 and a half point favorites in this one. Um, plus the fact that the Raiders are allowing 62% of the touchdowns their defense has allowed has been on the ground. So I'm definitely looking towards Clyde Edwards-Solaire. And in a, in a game like a quote-unquote easy matchup for Patrick Mahomes, I think he really likes to feed all his different guys, whether it's a whether it's the backup tight end one week, whether it's a pass to the fullback like we saw in primetime recently, or even to guys like McCole Hardman, Sammy Watkins. There's so many mouths to feed in Kansas City, and they can all shine in certain moments because Mahomes is just that good. So when I look at Clyde Edwards-Alaire and I see his rushing total – is only 72 and a half in a game where the Chiefs are favored by almost 12 points against a really bad run defense. I, I can only look there as, as the main prop that I like in this game, Sleepy. And, and you know, just, just in terms of Clyde Edwards Solaire, we know he can catch the ball. But again, when you look at receiving totals for running backs, you want to look at, at running backs in negative game scripts. I just don't know how much work Clyde Edwards Hilaire is going to have to do on the ground in this game uh, for the Chiefs to be successful here. So um, you know, that, that's that's where I'm looking uh, first and foremost in this game. And, and you saw even against the Patriots, a, a pretty tough run defense. You know, he only had 64 rushing yards, but 64 is not bad. He had six, He's actually had 64 rushing yards in back to back weeks against the Patriots and the Ravens. Now he gets maybe the worst run defense in the league in the Raiders. So I think he can easily get what eight, nine more receiving yards than he get than he did against those two defenses. Uh, that that's definitely my favorite prop as it stands right now for this game. You know, the prop I was looking at in this one, and I can't find a number on it right now, will probably be Darren Waller receiving yards under. And I think Ruggs is probably going to play. He practiced on Thursday full, practiced on Friday full. So with him back in there, and I think the fact that, you know, you have Zay Jones, you have Aguilar that stepped on the field, and I think that he developed a little bit of a rapport with Carr, and then you have Renfro. But we both know that the Raiders don't want to get in some type of a shootout game here. And it might be one of those situations where, you know, you're going up against Mahomes and the Chiefs where you can't prevent that. But they can shorten this game as much as possible, you know, running with Jacobs. And I think they'll do that for an amount of time. And I think the fact that Ruggs is in there, as I mentioned, Renfro, Maybe, maybe Zay Jones is out there, maybe Aguilar's out there, that that's going to limit somebody in this offense. And I think it's probably going to limit Waller. And the reason why I would say that is, at least if we're shopping for, for the best numbers possible, we, we probably would assume that Waller's going to be somewhat overinflated when it comes to either his receptions or his receiving yards. And if the, if the Raiders do go ahead and run the ball, 
you know, as much as they possibly can, well, then, you know, your catches are going to be limited. I think your yardage is going to be somewhat limited. The only thing that worries me about that is that, you know, if the Raiders are going ahead and they're running, you know, that do the Chiefs stack the box and do they end up getting, you know, Waller, you know, over the top and does he break a big catch? You know, I'm not sure. He doesn't have many really long, you know, re- receptions this year. Uh, his longest is, is 22 yards. Besides that, you know, it's more, you know, 10 yard catches and, and shit like that. But um, for me, it would be under uh, receiving yards for Darren Waller. I don't know, you know, where that number would come out, Chris. I'm guessing it might be somewhere around maybe 65, maybe somewhere in that area. Uh, he has a 40. 40- yeah, last week it came out around 55, Sleepy. And here, here's the key there, because when you're looking at the at the books right now, I don't think many are going to have anything for any of the Raiders' pass catchers, and that's because the rookie speedster Henry Ruggs is questionable for this game. It's He's looking like he's trending towards playing after missing the last couple weeks. So if he does play, I do like Waller more, because Henry Ruggs can take the top off a of defense with his speed, and defenses are going to have to respect that. So Ruggs' presence on the field will definitely boost the value of both Waller and Renfro. I mean, they were basically the only two options last week against Buffalo. And Waller tore it up. But uh, th- that Bills defense had been, had been giving up a decent amount of production to tight ends as it is. Whereas the Chiefs side of things, the Chiefs have, have not been so friendly to opposing tight ends. But I think you got to look at Waller as an elite level tight end. So if Ruggs is out, I, I do lean towards your Waller underplay. If Ruggs does play, um, I, I think Waller is really the only viable weapon that, that Carr can go to. And especially in a game where we're projecting here that the Raiders are going to be playing from behind and being forced to pass it. So I would hesitate, uh, ju- just just wait and see what the stat, final status of, of Henry Ruggs is, because until we find that out, we might not even see any lines available for Waller until then. I'm just going to guess that he's probably going to play. If he practiced in full on Thursday, practice in full on Friday, I'm guessing he probably goes. And you know the Raiders want to win this game, division game. You know the Raiders are you know, playing somewhat well this year. But, I mean, they got to get as many weapons as they can on the, uh, on the field this week for sure. Um, any Kansas City guys, any Kansas City wide receivers you think about? Um, for that one maybe do we look maybe receptions or maybe a longest reception or something like that because we know that 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 Raiders secondaries is uh you know piss poor yeah sleepy I I think that the numbers on Sammy Watkins are still too low Um, we won over on his prop from last week uh when we played him over I believe it was over three and a half or four and a half receptions right now you can get him over four and a half at minus 143 on bet online uh or over three and a half, excuse me, at minus 143. If you want to play my uh, over four and a half, you can get at plus 120. Uh, I would definitely play Sammy Watkins over three and a half catches at minus 143 because he's been actively involved. And, and the, what, what they're doing is, is that they're allowing Sammy Watkins to operate on the underneath to intermediate routes. They're being creative in the, how they want to get the ball. And you saw him, he, Sleepy, he led the Chiefs in targets in that primetime game against the Patriots there, even with the, he lost the fumble in the first half in the red zone and Patrick Mahomes still went back to him. So I think that's an important thing is that Watkins ended that game with seven targets, the same number that Kelsey did. So in terms of receivers, you know, Watkins was the leading receiver in that game and sleepy Watkins got hurt in week two. So let's throw week two out of the books so far in his other three games, nine targets in week one, 
eight targets in week three against Baltimore, a very tough secondary. And then another very tough secondary, seven targets against the Patriots in, in week four. So I think the numbers, there's a lot of uh, negative, like kind of market value around Sammy Watkins because he's the high draft pick that never really broke out the way we wanted him to. And he's been a bust in fantasy for the most part in Kansas City. But the way he came on in the playoffs last year and in the Super Bowl, and the way he started off this year, he's a very important part of that offense. So if you can get less than minus 150, I know you're playing a little bit, you know, you're paying a little bit of big here with the minus 143, but I feel like that's almost a lock for him, him to get at least four catches. So I would gladly play the over three and a half. And, and I think his yardage total is too low as well, because yeah, against the Patriots, only 43 yards, you know, and that, that's the thing you worry about it is that are the Chiefs going to play from ahead and not need to throw it this entire game? Either way, I think they'll throw enough. So he had 82, 82 and 62 yards in, in three and in two of his uh, three full games this year. So while I do think the receiving yardage total, you could also attack that. It's 50 and a half. I'm definitely looking towards Sammy Watkins over three and a half catches in addition to CEH. Like we mentioned, uh, what was it over 71 and a half or 72 and a half? I'd probably play CEH up to about 73 and a half, 74 and a half. I think you should easily get to that 75 yard mark on the ground. You know, it's funny you brought up Watkins because I was thinking about this on the car ride home when I was coming from the coming from the store. And I'm like, I wonder if Hopkins or <clears throat> Hopkins, I wonder if Watkins is a is a good option to go ahead and score a touchdown in this game. And he's only at like two to one. And I'm like, man, like I thought maybe I get like, you know, three plus three fifty or something like that. Not the case. Plus two hundred. I guess I'm getting ripped off on that one. They know that Kansas City's gonna score some points in this game. I'll tell you what, sometimes these books, like, they'll drive you out of your mind. Like, when you, when you think you're going to get a good number and it's just – it's a terrible number, and then when you, you go and you look for a number and, and you can't even get anything at all, it, it, it does get frustrating at times. But I guess they have a business, you know, that they have to run too. Let's jump over to uh, – let's talk Rams, Redskins. Rams going to be minus 8.5 in this game. Total 46.5. Chris, <clears throat> Chris, I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one first. I don't have a whole lot of opinion on this game in particular, but I'll let you go ahead and talk about what you're thinking about for this week in this one. Yeah. Rams and Washington. Um, it, this is going to be, we talked about this on the preview pod. This, this projects to be one of maybe the two slowest games in terms of pace and the total amount of snaps these offenses are going to get in this game here. Uh, the other one being Indianapolis and Cleveland, but I think this could be the slowest pace game by far out of everything on the slate in week five and you're looking at a Rams team that's running the most uh, running plays in terms of neutral pace situations so far through four weeks this season. So what does that mean is even when the game is close, McVay is opting to run the ball. And who do they get back this week? They get back Cam Akers. They're, they're high draft pick, uh, you know, from Florida State, the running back that, uh, you know, out, out of this past draft this year. So you're going to pair Akers with Henderson, who's already flashed this year. You know, they like keeping Malcolm Brown involved, although I really don't understand why. Uh, but you know you have a three-headed backfield there, so you know th- this is the type of situation where I'm not looking to play any Rams passing game guys over their totals because I don't think the Rams are going to need to throw. I don't think they really want to throw. When you look at Jared Goff's pass attempts in neutral game scripts, this is the lowest by far in his career over the last four years. So where I am going to look is on the Washington side, and Sleepy, you saw last year. Kyle Allen was with the same head coach and the same offensive coordinator and scheme in Carolina. And what did he do? Kyle Allen, don't get it twisted here. Mr. Kyle freaking Allen. He enabled Christian McCaffrey to have a record setting fantasy football year. Why do I bring that up? 
is because Kyle Allen checked down to Christian McCaffrey every single time he had the chance. And now he's got his two main running backs in that Washington offense, Antonio Gibson, the talented rookie out of Memphis, and then J.D. McKissick, who's a third down, who's a third down back by trade. So I think Kyle Allen's going to be checking down a lot to his running backs, not to mention the fact that the Rams have a very legitimate and clear advantage when it comes to their defensive line versus Washington's banged-up offensive line. So I'm looking at the running backs on getting an extremely high target share in this game. And, you know, I wanted to say look for McLaurin under, but McLaurin is not only going with Kyle Allen, at quarterback, with a bad matchup, he was also going to be shadowed by Jalen Ramsey in this game. Uh, but you know, Terry McLaurin is so good. I, I just hate to bet under any time on McLaurin. And the thing is, is that that Washington coaching staff, they're, they're finding ways to get him the ball in the short area of the field so he can get yards after the catch. So um, Terry McLaurin, I'm going to fade him a little bit in fantasy. I'm going to fade him in DFS for sure. Um, but I'm not I'm not going to play his unders because I think he's just too damn good. So where I am going to look is I'm going to look towards Antonio Gibson in this game. And, and he was a pass catching back. You know, that was his biggest skill in college. And they said over time they were going to ease him into that role. And now he's in the perfect situation with Kyle Allen, Mr. Checkdown to the RBs. So when I look at Antonio Gibson, Sleepy, his receiving yards total is 22 and a half. Like, I'm glad we're having this conversation to, to think back and forth because these numbers have just come out. That, that number is way too low for Antonio Gibson. Absolutely way too low. Two and a half catches over under. Play the over. That's going to be a double dip on the player prop article. You'll catch that late Sunday night, Sunday morning, uh, late Saturday night, excuse me, or Sunday morning early on bettingpredators.com. Gibson over two and a half receptions. Gibson over 22 and a half yards. I would probably play Gibson receiving yards up to at least 29 and a half. Uh, he might have a huge day receiving in this game with Kyle Allen, the quarterback. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about is – Kyle Allen, it, like, what did he, if he goes out and he has a bad game, does he get benched? Like, do they go back to Haskins or they bring in Alex Smith? Like, if you could just give me, like, a percentage if he plays terrible or he plays bad. And I'll throw another thing at you is that the weather could be an issue in this game because of this hurricane that's coming up. I was checking the radar, and it looks like at least the mid-Atlantic states could end up with a decent amount of rain pretty much at kickoff on Sunday. Now, look, it's, it's you know, it's Friday night at, at two o'clock in the morning. So, you know, this storm's going to dictate, you know, whatever the hell it wants. But as of right now, you know, if we're looking to go in and plug in, in bets, um, I just wonder if some of the numbers drop in this game. But I, I think it, I think Allen probably goes under passing yards because if it is wet out there and it is raining, they're just going to look to go ahead and run. Um and look, you're going to get your little dump down screens like you're talking about to, to Gibson. Eventually, they're going to have to try to throw the ball if it is wet and nasty out there and miserable. Um, I, I, I like that play on Gibson no matter what. I, I agree with that. I'm seeing it right now on DraftKings um, 18 and a half minus Ooh. 150. So you do have to put. Yeah, it looks like they're uh, they're going to make you you know pay a little bit. But I'm just curious overall. I guess we can start with with the first question. You know, do you think that there's even a possibility that Allen ends up getting benched in this game. I mean, I would think with the history that I think Kyle Allen's got, he's got to like go out and throw like four interceptions for them to bench him because this is their first game going. They, they made a bold move by benching the, the the former regime's number one pick in Dwayne Haskins. And and sleep, 
from what I've read so far this week by the beat reporters and following things on Twitter, I believe Dwayne Haskins is going to be inactive for this game. So they're not, they're not just putting him in the backup role. They're putting him in the third string role. And Alex Smith coming off that brutal leg injury over a year ago, he will be the number two quarterback. And I would not be surprised for Washington to go to Alex Smith at some point and to give him a shot. I mean, let's not forget they paid this guy a decent amount of money a few years ago to be their franchise quarterback after he had risen his stock considerably, you know, as the starter in Kansas City when Mahomes was still a rookie. So Alex Smith is going to get his chance at some point just because I don't think Kyle Allen's good enough to hold down that starting job with the lack of weapons with the lack of defense they've had, they, they look decent against Philly in week one, but you know, they've been banged up considerably on the defensive line as well. So you mentioned Kyle Allen's passing yards right now. I'm seeing 232 and a half. Um, I think whether or not you're going to see bad weather in this game, it, it's going to be difficult for Kyle Allen to get to that number. Um, but, but keep in mind that if they're trailing enough in this game, if they're down 28, nothing, or they're down three, two, three plus touchdowns in a hurry, he might just rack that up in garbage time. So uh, either way, I think Gibson is is the play here for me. Uh, but I definitely don't hate that that Kyle Allen prop. I, I would just lean unders in terms of fantasy totals and player prop totals in general here. And I think the Rams just want to run it. Unfortunately, we can't really put our eggs in one basket with the Rams running backs because this could literally be a three-headed split down the middle. Um, and, and I'm not sure where those totals are going to wind up at right now in terms of Akers, uh, Henderson, and, and Malcolm Brown. So that, that's the tough part there. I'm seeing Daryl Henderson at 44 and a half. Uh, you know, Malcolm Brown's rushing yards at 34 and a half. I'm not seeing anything for Akers right now. Uh, so, yeah, man, that, that's, that's pretty much what it is. But Kyle Allen can't throw the deep ball. He was like rated 40th out of 44 passers in a deep accuracy by PFF last year. I don't think, I don't think things are going to change anytime soon, especially going up against Aaron, Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey on the other side. Yeah, that was my, that was a key factor for me is the fact that Donald might be out there trying to, you know, put a bunch of pressure on him. And then he's trying to like launch it downfield and Jalen Ramsey's out there. You know, I could see, I could certainly see, and you, you already said it, you know, you expect like a, a slow game you know, flow here. You expect the Rams to run. You expect Washington to run. Like I, I just don't see why you put that guy in harm's way, but sometimes you, you go and you give the guy the key to Mercedes and say, you know, go and go out there and, and do your thing. And eventually you do have to pass the ball at some point, you know, does he go ahead and, and, you know, make those critical mistakes, which he might, as you had mentioned, you know, two one, another thing that you had brought up is fact that, you know, the Rams are favored in this game, but I don't, you know, I don't think they jump out to, you know, a big lead in this one, just because the, the, you know, Washington one is at home. It's a long travel for the Rams here. And, you know, that Washington defense is is actually pretty pretty good. You know, I, I don't think there's going to be many teams that, that are going to just blow past them. Um, I think it eventually you could pull away from them, but I don't see them getting behind by a lot. Like, you know, go back to week one when they were playing against Philly, they were down 17 nothing. But, you know, I, I think that kind of woke them up. They, their defense actually looks half decent. Um trying to think anything else in that one yes sleepy the one thing you bring that up and it makes me think because I, I i do project the rams to, to lead a high, high percentage of the time if you play this game out 10 times the rams are going to be leading from end to end and like nine out of ten times in my opinion and because of that i would look to play jared goff under passing yards and i'm seeing that at 267 and a half so that's about 45 yards higher than allen 
which if you think of game script and, and the line in this game, it really doesn't make any sense. And you look at Jared Goff so far through three weeks, or through four weeks, excuse me, last week it was the only game where the Rams really held a dominant lead. And it w- wasn't even very dominant. They, they only won 17 to nine over the Giants. And Jared Goff, he was 25 for 32, only 200 yards in that game. And he has thrown for 300 yards only one time this year. And that was in a game where the Rams were playing from behind against the Bills. So, like I said, this is all about game script here. Look, if, the, if Washington jumps out somehow to an early lead, you know, you're might, you might lose that bet. But that's what you're betting on more often than not is like how do these numbers correlate with the game script? Because we know the Rams want to run the ball. And if they're ahead and they're favored by like 10 points or more, then Goff's not going to need to throw and they're not going to want him to throw. So I, I do like that. In addition to Gibson, I, I would lean. I'm going to look a little bit towards Jared Goff under 267 and a half passing yards. And I might add that depending on what the weather is, like you mentioned in this game too. Yeah, I, I agree with you with that one. I certainly won't go ahead and play Henderson over. I mean, we tried that last week and it didn't work all out all that well. Um, like you said, maybe he ended up in the doghouse, but yeah. Yeah, I regret I regret making that pick. I regret it after the fact. I thought before the fact we, we certainly had a you know pretty solid wager in that one. Let's jump to um let's talk Jaguars Texans. Texans are gonna be minus five and a half, total fifty-five. I'm starting to see some sharp guys liking the Jaguars here, Chris. I don't know if I necessarily agree. I'm just going to throw this one right at you. You know, Will Fuller, is this the week where he goes off? Because my gut feeling says Fuller probably has, you know, a decent game in this one. Um, I don't trust, you know, the Houston rushing attack. I don't really trust anybody on that team. And I think the fact that, you know, O'Brien's gone and it's like, well, now we got to go out there and we got to do something. Well, you go to your best players, and clearly it's Watson and it's Fuller. So uh, I'll look up some numbers here, but I was just curious what you thought about maybe Fuller Watson um, going into this game this week. Yeah, no, it, it's all about Will Fuller. I've had him marked down from the beginning of the week in terms of what is his prop number going to be in this game, and I was just guessing it's going to be too low, and, and I and I absolutely think it is too low. I'm seeing right now, Bet Online has Will Fuller. At the over-under, let's see, I believe is at 64 and a half, 65 and a half in this game. I, I personally would play probably Fuller up to like 69 and a half. So betting on him to get 70 or more yards, I think he's a fantastic DFS play, especially in he might even be a solid cash game tournament because you know the targets are going to go his way. And, and, and this is the schedule that we've been waiting for for the Houston Texans offense. And look, I'm not really going to comment too much on, on a, do I think they're going to cover the spread? But do I think they have a, a, a? Do I think their offense has a fantastic matchup against Jacksonville here? Absolutely. And you mentioned earlier in the week all the injuries that are mounting up in the Jacksonville secondary, which wasn't even too good to begin with. So I love Will Fuller in this game. I, I think that that's definitely one of my favorite plays for the week is over on his receiving yards. And you know when you look at this, I think this is this this game is, is projecting to be more of a shootout here, and, the, and and you can see it in terms of the line. I mean, it's over under fifty five and a half. And, you know, we have two bad defenses. We have capable players on the offensive side of the ball on both of these teams. So give me the best wide receiver in this game, maybe outside of DJ Shark. And you know that Watson likes to target his number one receiver, especially in a good matchup. So that's where I'm looking here. Uh, Somebody hit us up on Twitter earlier today asking about uh, double dipping on DJ Shark over under on his receptions and receiving yards. And, you know, DJ Shark's sitting right now at 60 and a half receiving yards. Uh, receptions is at four and a half. So I would be much more inclined to take the over four and a half 
receptions for Shark. I'm seeing that at plus money, actually. I'm surprised on that because in a high-paced shootout type of game where Jacksonville might, I think at the very worst, it's going to be a neutral pace situation, close game, to where DJ Shark, he came back from that chest injury last week, and he was the clear cut number one wide receiver option on that team. So, you know, as much as I think he might be a sell high in fantasy right now, I think four and a half catches for DJ Shark is just way too low uh, given the matchup here. So I don't know if I would play the yardage right away because we know Minshew does like to spread the ball around his receivers, but uh, DJ Shark, what did, what did he have last? I, I believe last week against the Bengals, he had eight catches on nine targets for 95 yards. So I don't hate a double dip there with those numbers. Uh, if I had to prioritize one over the other, I definitely think he'll clear the four and a half catches, especially if you're getting plus money at plus 110. So let me ask you this, Chris, because this is one that I kind of was thinking about. Now, I read an article this week that Bill O'Brien had Kenny Stills kind of in the doghouse. And I'm like, maybe Kenny Stills is a sleeper. So let's go back to like last week. Go, I guess you can go throughout the season. But, you know, last week he had – five targets no actually he had four targets last week he had two catches but do you think the fact that that o'brien's gone and i i think we know that watson likes stills like you know that that he's he kind of has a pretty decent relationship with him now i don't see any you know receiving yards with him and i don't think i'll probably find any but you know when it comes to you know, finding the guy because we know how, how beat up this, this Jaguar secondary is right now. I think Hayden is gone for the year. He's on IR. Uh, who the hell was the other guy? I was just looking at it actually a couple minutes ago. Let me find those guys. I'll tell you who the hell is out here. Uh, CJ Henderson is probably um, going to be banged up and out maybe with the shoulder injury. They have a defensive end that's banged up. Josh Allen, Miles Jack, another uh, defensive tackle. So, it's like you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. You have more than likely probably, you know, second, third string, maybe even some practice guys in the back. Do you think now that that O'Brien is gone, that Stills probably – and that was the report that I read that he was in the doghouse, that now maybe he's out of the doghouse and maybe Watson's like, you know, give me my boy back. So regardless, like we know, we, we know the floor is probably what? two catches, 25 yards. Like we know that that's the floor, but you tell me what, what still ceiling is. And if he would be a decent pickup, maybe, you know, to be a sleeper guy that I could maybe plug in my lineup this week. Yeah. Hold, hold, hold on. Sorry. Sorry, man. I, I just, I just had a couple things pop up on my uh, bet online account. It, it's making like noises. Hold on one second. Let me close this out. Okay. Dude, they're not letting. Uh, sorry, they're not letting me uh, put player pops down. Every time I try to place a bet right now on Bet Online, it's saying sorry, the game has uh, already been played. So, all right, all right. Uh, you you re- oh, so yeah, okay. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. So so Kenny Stills, you, I'm not seeing any numbers for him right now either. And obviously, outside of Fuller, it's kind of a crapshoot here in terms of in terms of who we want to be looking to play in this game. And you mentioned, you know, we're talking about cluster injuries here you know, to Jacksonville's defensive unit in the secondary, on the defensive line, et cetera. Even DJ Hayden looks like he might miss this game as well. So they might be without two of their top defensive backs in this game, which only makes Fuller's case stronger, in my opinion. But I don't know. You know, the, the number one guy who was in uh, in Bill O'Brien's doghouse was Kiki QT. And, like, we saw him have a huge game 
couple of seasons ago in the playoffs, and then he just absolutely disappeared from that offense. I still think he's a talented player. He hasn't even been active on most game days. That, that's another story for another day. Um, but the, the one guy who has been seeing a consistent amount of work has been Randall Cobb. And Cobb has 59 yards and 95 yards in weeks two and three. The uh, last week he had five targets, only got th- 36 yards on that. Um, so it, it's it, it's tough, man. It, it's tough for me to bet on anyone outside of Will Fuller. Uh, the, the one the one place I might look as a potential because we do look, we do know Watson does throw a decent amount to his tight ends. The the problem is is that he usually has multiple tight ends playing. Uh, but however, this week Jordan Akins is dealing in the is, is in the concussion protocol, and uh, if he is ruled out the only tight end they're going to have active is most likely Darren Fells. So if you can find as a sleeper tight end in a deeper type of fantasy league, or even as a punt play on D on DFS, I mean, you're talking about a 55 point over under and the fact that Darren Fells could be the only active tight end on this team uh, at 3,400 on DraftKings. I think that could be a great punt play in tournaments here. So Anyways, like that's my thinking there is like I'm going to look towards Fuller, like I said. And then if I'm looking towards any of the ancillary pieces here, I'm going to look to see if Aikens is out and if there are any numbers on Fells because I, I I would be shocked if his receiving total would be like over, you know, 20, you know, in this game just because you know he's been splitting that 50-50 time with Aikens so far this year. So that, that's pretty much all I got on the Texans side. All right, good stuff on that game. Let's jump to our next game here. <clears throat> Hold on one second. Oh, Sleepy, I'm, I'm sorry, I got to jump in because Uncle Dave gave this out and I, I wholeheartedly agreed with him on the Wednesday preview pod. You can go if you're subscribed to our podcast or you can click the link to our podcast on the website and you can listen to that. You'll get best bets from you know Sleepy, myself, Dan Rivera, Hitman, Smooth, McKenzie, Bernie, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, Dave was very bullish on James Robinson over on his rushing yards in this game. And, and you're talking about one of the worst rushing defenses uh, might be maybe the worst in the league uh, in the Houston Texans. So I do think James Robinson right now, I'm seeing 70 and a half. I have to throw that in there before we move on. Uh, I do like that 70 and a half for James Robinson over on his rushing yards. All right. Solid stuff there. I'm sure uncle Dave will appreciate you touching on that one for him. I was just looking at that. Actually, I was just pulling up some of the player. It sucks that they, that, you know, that they're just limiting everybody with, you know, the amount of player props that they have right now. I mean, are there really major question marks in that game? No. It's just the books just being a bunch of scumbags. But anyway, that is what it is. Let's jump over to our next game here, Chris. We got the Cardinals at the Jets. The Jets are just absolutely brutal. But I have a feeling we're probably going to talk a little bit about some of the Jets guys that we can target in this one. Uh, Flacco will go ahead and start at quarterback. So that's quite interesting. I'm going to look up and see what we have. If they even have anything for Flacco yet, they probably don't because they're afraid to put up anything. Sleepy, I don't see. I don't see any. I don't see a single prop on this game right now. Yeah, there, there's not a whole lot. I think they're just worried because they know that you know. When see, you got to understand something. Like when when you get injuries, people like us who you know are who are digging into this stuff, especially as soon as the numbers drop, we're gonna know when you know when a number's bad, and we're gonna you know immediately we're gonna be like you know, this guy has value and we, and you might end up playing it at, it doesn't even matter what number sometimes. Let's just say it's like, you know, we're on a podcast and, and look, there's a lot of other fantasy podcasts out there, but I think like we're one of the only ones that really, you know, put like fantasy and betting kind of together, you know, when everybody's talking about the same guy and they drop, 
you know, props, it's like, boom, you know, X, Y, and Z guy just got, he just got slammed. And now the books are completely lopsided and they're not going to get enough money, you know, to come back the other way. Unless there's some guy out there who's willing to go ahead and, you know, go ahead and, and, and lay a, a big price, you know, going ahead and fading that. But, you know, that, that market's not nearly as liquid as, you know, the sides and the totals. It's, you know, you can get end up really lopsided with a lot of these props. So, you know, I'm not shocked that, you know, that we don't really see anything in this one. But um, I'll let you go ahead and talk about that one. Jets, Cardinals, what are you thinking, Chris? Yeah, yeah. and Sleepy, just to, to piggyback on what you just said, the reason why we're doing this late in the week on like Friday night, Saturday morning is because these prop numbers for the last couple of weeks haven't been coming out till Friday. And now we're seeing here we're in week five and most I don't even think half the prop numbers are out for Sunday yet. So like we're even still early at this point. So I think the best we can do is just do what we've been doing which is talk about the process. And if we need to project lines, we can project lines. But I think that by us going through this conversation here back and forth, we're going to know who we want to target when they finally do get the balls to release the numbers on these props, whether it's Saturday night, Sunday morning, whenever they do come out, I think we'll be ready to attack them at that point regardless. So having said that for this game here, I mean, Joe Flacco, you know, Joe Flacco, from from what I remember and what he used to do back in Baltimore was that he did like to target his running backs and he did like to target his tight ends. Um, Le'Veon Bell could be back for this game. I would definitely look towards Le'Veon Bell's receiving yardage totals because as much as he might still split carries with uh, the ageless wonder Frank Gore, uh, Le'Veon Bell will be the pass catching back for the Jets. And that's something they've actually missed throughout the last month is they, they have not had a viable pass catching target uh, in the receiving game. And Flacco is going to be more apt to check down to his running backs than even Darnold was, who likes to scramble a little bit and try to look for his receivers down the field. So I think Crowder is still a viable play here. I would I see that the expert consensus has Crowder at like in the wide receiver 30 range for this week. But I honestly don't care who's starting. I got Crowder ranked number 25. That, that's seven spots ahead of consensus. So I've got him as a low end wide receiver, too. I might even move him up a little bit because I think that Crowder is going to play that underneath route. And, and be a security blanket type of receiver for Flacco in this game. So, uh, you know, other than that, I, I think you're looking at, you know, definitely plus matchups from the Cardinals side of things. DeAndre Hopkins, you know, I, I do I do look towards his receiving totals. Uh, but the, the one guy that interests me would be Chase Edmonds. And Kenyon Drake's just been brutal, man, in fantasy through through the first four weeks of this season. And from if you, if you watch the tape or even just the highlights or red zone, Chase Edmonds is by far and away the best running back talent in that backfield. I think it's only a matter of time. He's already taking away the receiving work from Drake, but he could also take away the rushing work from Drake too. So I would look towards receiving numbers on Chase Edmonds. But like I said, we don't have any official numbers here. So those are kind of the guys I'm looking at on the surface here would be Le'Veon Bell receiving totals for the Jets. And then on the Cardinals, you definitely got to look at Hopkins, you know, in case they're set too low. And then I think that Chase Edmonds could have a lot of value in the receiving game in this game because the Jets are just giving up a ton of fantasy points and numbers in general to opposing running backs right now. So let me ask you about this guy. And this was a sleeper guy that I looked for on the waiver wire in our league, and he was gone, and that was Jeff Smith. If you go back to Flacco, he threw two passes last week, and they were both to this Jeff Smith guy who, quite frankly, I'd never heard of. But if you go back and you look at that game, at least go back to the box score and look at Jeff Smith, 
he had nine targets, seven catches for eighty-one yards. He has to be a sleeper guy that you that you're that you're looking at plugging in your in your lineups, right? Sleepy, I, I don't know where I don't know where Jeff Smith came from. He didn't have a single target or catch up until this past Thursday. And he had nine targets, it turned in a decent seven catches for 81 yards. And that was in a game where Crowder came back and was healthy. So I don't know. I can't trust Adam Gase. You know, Jeff Smith could have 20 catches one night. And then the next the next game, he might not even get a single snap. So I'm not putting any. The only guy I could trust with, with, the, with the Jets, like I said, I think Bell has a plus matchup. But even then, Bell's been in Adam Gase's doghouse ever since Gase has been the coach in New York. So, I mean, look, last year in 2019, Jeff Smith had one game with two targets and he had one catch for 12 yards. So, honestly, man, I, I just I, – I don't know what to tell you with that. If, if you're in a super deep league, like a 14-team plus, I mean, our betting predators Lester league is 20 teams, which is absolutely nuts. And the waivers are just so thin in that league. But – other than that, I mean, I, I can't trust anybody outside of Crowder and Bell for the Jets, man. I don't know, man. I'm just thinking, like, if I'm the coach and I'm Adam Gase and I'm like, well, this guy got seven catches for 82 yards. It was like, well, here's another guy that, you know, could possibly save me for another week from getting axed, you know. Like, these guys do get paid, you know what I mean? Like, the minute they get fired, I believe they stop getting paid. At least that's how I think it works in most jobs. Um, so I don't know. You know, I don't, I, I don't know if I would just say – Okay, Flacco, I'm starting you this week. You only threw two passes. You threw them to the same guy. He had seven catches last week for 80 yards. He was like our best production guy besides Crowder. Well, maybe this is a good one-two tandem. Um, yeah, let me just go ahead and sit him on the bench. That, like, to me, it just doesn't make a lot of sense. And his price right now on DraftKings is like 3000 But I get it. It's Gase. And one of the things that, that really turned me off about one of the fantasy guys I had, and that was Herndon who, you know, you and I talked about him quite a bit. And I was high on him. But there's like three different tight ends out there catching passes. I'm like, what is going on with this offense? And now you got guys like Jeff Smith. I mean, who is this guy? I don't know. You know what I mean? Where did he come from, man? I have no idea. I have no idea. But, I mean, when you get nine targets, that's a guy you and I are talking about each and every week. Oh, he had nine targets, 80 yards, that are the last seven catches. Like, you know, that's a pretty productive weekend for, for a wide receiver. So I don't see how they take him out. So I'll give that guy out. You probably won't get any player props on that guy. Maybe you will if you can find something. Um, you know, I, I don't even know if we can come up with a number, Chris, but I would say if you guys are, you know, looking for DFS guy, you know, a sleeper guy, a cheap one, that might actually give you a really high ceiling that Flacco might like and he might target. Maybe take a look at that Jeff Smith guy. I don't know. Well, that, I mean, if you're if you're playing in a tournament like a millie maker type of thing, I mean, you're not going to find a guy. Cheese, he's stone men, three thousand dollars. You're not going to find a cheaper option than Jeff Smith. This this is like your Cedric uh, Wilson theory from last year. So when it comes to like Christmas time, I got it now. I got to figure out whether or not to get you either a Cedric Wilson or Jeff Smith jersey. So yeah, you know, I got I got I got I got to see which what which one winds up balling out first. But like you said, man, Adam Gase in this offense why adam gase has a job still i have no idea why jeff smith had more targets in one game than chris herndon has had in the last two games combined i also have no idea so i'm, I'm just trying to avoid this jets team as much as i can right now i think a lot of it had to do with brashad perryman not being out on the field and you take a number one away you have to add a number two so it's like okay cool and then you add your second like you know flacco was throwing passes to this guy like he had to be 
throwing passes to this guy. Maybe, you know what I'm thinking? Now that I'm sitting here thinking about this, which maybe it would make sense, but maybe it wouldn't. Maybe Gase was thinking about benching Darnold. And the fact that he got hurt and they yanked him out and then Flacco comes in and then it was like, okay, cool. Darnold's like, all right, I'm not broken. I'm coming back out. And then he just ended up taking the field. I don't know. It just, it's weird. Like that this guy just showed up from out of nowhere. And I get the fact that like, you got to wonder if, is Darnold even hurt? Because he came back and he played the rest of the game. I mean, that injury that he supposedly happened and, and he, look, he got crushed. But, like, that was in, like, what, like the end of the first quarter, second quarter. So, he finished the game out. So, I'm starting to wonder now, now that I'm thinking about, you know, thinking about it that way. Like, I wonder if Gates was going to plan on benching Darnold. Because that, sometimes that the coaches will do that. They'll be like, look, you know, I have to save my job. And we always see when coaches are going out there trying to save their jobs, they'll bench the quarterback. And they'll just do it. Like, I mean, go back to when uh, to when Eli got benched for no damn reason, you know, because the coach wanted to save his job, and then he ended up blowing up Eli's streak. Eli would have never missed a game in his entire in, in basically his entire career. Like the last start that he was going to make would have been his last start. Um, a lot of guys do that, so I'm, I don't know. I'm thinking that that guy's like I'm thinking that guy's legit. I'm thinking that he and Flacco have a, have a good relationship. And at some point that Gase wanted to go ahead and, and maybe just move on from Darnold and be like, that's the problem. That's the guy, the guy that you all brought in here that, that I tried to tell you is garbage that, that, you know, whatever. So maybe it was easier for, for them to save face going into this week where, um, maybe if he yanks Darnold out and they get blasted again, it's like, this guy's a mess, you know, da 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 Flacco came in through two interceptions and whatever, whatever. Like it could just turn into a real, a real, shit show to put it lightly but i don't know keep that in mind but that jeff smith guy that's that's certainly somebody that i'm going to go ahead and target let's jump over to our next game here chris that was an interesting conversation about the jets i like how we get in these deep conversations about these junk teams here's another uh battle for pennsylvania here actually we got the eagles and the steelers eagles have been playing like a junk team but they did go ahead and pull out you know a decent win last week total 44 Steelers are going to be a home favorite here, minus seven. I'm going to have to hear your thoughts on this one, Chris. One of the things about the Steelers is, you know, I'm just not I'm not in tune with that team. I had Juju Smith-Schuster on my fantasy league. I traded him away. Uh, one of the reasons is because I heard you chirp in my ear, I don't know how many times about, um, you know, that, that Johnson was the number one. And I, I, I disagree with you personally, but – you know, the, the numbers are there, you know, it's not like Juju's getting, you know, the, you know, the lion's share of everything in this offense. So I don't know what to make of the Steelers offense. Like right now, if you ask me, I just don't know. Um, the Eagles I'm comfortable with. So I'll let you go ahead, talk a little bit, and then I'll give you something on the Eagles that I actually like for this game. Yeah. When you look at Deontay Johnson, um, you know, a lot, some people thought it was a fluke last year because he was, but this, this guy balled out with like Devlin Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph at quarterback. And people thought, oh, you know, these, these are just bad quarterbacks. And you know, teams are sh- – opposing defenses are shutting down Juju and Deontay's just getting wide open down the field. And now you look at through the first two weeks of the season that Deontay's literally has almost 10 more targets than Juju does through two weeks. And here we are thinking before the season starts that Big Ben has all this chemistry with Juju 
and he has no chemistry with Deontay. So the fact that Deontay came out of the gate that strong with that many targets, more than Juju, just shows me that this kid might be really something special. And I think Deontay is severely underpriced again in DFS. So we're going to have our top DFS plays out every single Sunday morning, late Saturday night, overnight in the Sunday morning. And we'll also talk about our DFS plays on our Sunday morning live stream on Twitter. We broadcast that from Sleepy from your page every Sunday morning around 11 a.m. But regardless, um, they're using Deontay all over the field. They're using him short and they're using him deep. So even though he will likely draw shadow coverage from Darius Slay in this game, I think you got to possibly look to attack Deontay Johnson because with his overs in this game, because the market's still a little bit low, because what happened was two weeks ago, he left early with a, with a concussion and he only had one catch in that game. And then after that, the Steelers game was postponed. So Deontay hasn't played in like over two weeks. And I think people forgot already of how this guy was about to pop off in fantasy, DFS, et cetera. So you're looking at Deontay Johnson's price on DraftKings right now, 5,600. And the Steelers like to play at a fast pace. They're throwing it even in neutral situations with Ben Roethlisberger this year. And I assume that with more rest, with more time for Ben Roethlisberger to rest, especially they're not going to be afraid to open it up against Philly because Philly does boast one of the stronger run defenses run defenses in the NFL. So having said all that, the, the I like I like Pittsburgh's passing attack in this game in general. Uh, obviously, Juju won't be shadowed by Darius Slay. But again, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster, he's a slot receiver. And slot receivers tend to get a lot of catches. And sometimes their yardage totals tend to be a little bit low. So... Um, Philadelphia has been one of the worst teams in the league at defending the tight end position. We saw Eric Ebron just absolutely rip through their defense on, on a Sunday night primetime game. Probably he had the number one tight end line of the year. But even before that, let's not forget that Tyler Higby, who's been a relative bust in fantasy against Philly two weeks ago, Higby had five catches, 54 yards, and three touchdowns. So I expect Eric Ebron, who's been trending up in snaps and targets in routes run in the in this season so far, developing more chemistry with Big Ben. I think his receiving yards and receptions is too low in this game. So I would look towards playing Eric Ebron over three and a half receptions and also over 38 and a half receiving yards. Uh, and I'm also looking towards Deontay again because I think 58 and a half receiving yards for Deontay Johnson for a talent like him is just way too low in this spot here. I'm glad you brought up the tight end. Now, I can't find a receptions for Zach Ertz, but I can tell you right now that when all is lost, that Wentz is going to look to old reliable, and that's Ertz. And Washington has a pretty good run, at least rush defense, and Pittsburgh's is what, like number one in the league? You're not going to run against Pittsburgh, not in this game. Um, They're going to be forced to go ahead and throw the ball, but then again, you're not going to be able to, to throw the ball deep. So I think he's just going to get, you know, a ton of targets. Like, don't be shocked. If this comes out, if you can find it, if you can find Ertz receptions, five and a half, just bet that over. He's probably going to have eight, nine, 10, 11. He's going to have a big game. Now, his receiving yards is right now, I think it was 48 and a half. Let me just double check that real quick. I have it right here in front of me. And the, the thing, I would, I would just caution Sleepy while you're looking at that is that 
Zach Ertz is averaging career lows across the board. And when you look at him play on tape, he, he he's struggling to get anything after the catch. So through four games this year, he's averaging four and a, 4.8 receptions and 34.8 yards. And those are the fewest in his career since 2013. So he, he's, he isn't one of the only options left for sure. I, I would agree with you more on the catches, but I, I, I'm not going to touch his yardage total over at all just beca- because his yak, his yards after the catch is just so bad right now. I mean, if you go back to, you know, I guess go back to the Redskins game where you had Goddard in the game, you had Rieger in the game, you had Jackson in the game. They accounted for 20 targets in that game. Those guys aren't even going to be on the field. Um, and they're not going to be able to run. Philly's going to be stuck in, in second and long, third and long, probably this entire game. And the only other guy that they have is Ertz, and that, that is Wentz's that that is Wentz's best option. And a lot of the reason why Ertz has been, you know, limited, one is because you have, you know, you have Jackson out there, you have you have Goddard, you have Rieger, and then you have a def- an offensive line that's just absolutely decimated to where you can't run can't throw and now it's like well he is your only real option I mean I don't know what he had last week Chris I actually want to look that up and see what his targets were last week let me look at that real quick yeah and also sleepy I'll jump in while you're looking that up again is uh, is Greg Ward um Pittsburgh is actually you know you mentioned their run defense which is their best attribute right now on defense but their secondary has allowed a decent amount of production to opposing wide receivers so we talked about last week the connection that Greg Ward and Carson Wentz had dating back to last season. So Greg Ward might have had his single toughest matchup of the year against the 49ers with Witherspoon and other guys in that secondary. They can defend the slot position very well. So uh, a, a tough day for them. And while they're facing a tougher run defense in Pittsburgh, uh, it's not going to be as tough of a pass defense as they faced against San Francisco. So if I was looking on the receiving side, look, Deshaun Jackson was ruled out Friday afternoon. So, again, Greg Ward and Zach Ertz is all they have. Uh, Miles Sanders is going to be heavily involved in the passing game at the running back spot as well. So, uh, obviously, Sanders has a, a very tough matchup, but I still think he's an RB1 in fantasy regardless here. Um, it, it just – both these teams like to play high pace. So, you're going to see some ugly football, but I think you're going to still see a decent amount of plays run – and a decent amount of scoring and fantasy opportunities from both sides here. So uh, the over-under, I'm probably the least clear on in this game. I could see like a 20 to 17. I could see like a 30 to 27. It's just so hard to gauge because you know Pittsburgh's going to put pressure on Carson Wentz. Can Carson Wentz make something out of nothing like he has done a decent amount of times this year? Um, That's why I'm more apt to look at Deontay Johnson and Eric Ebron on Pittsburgh size because I trust Pittsburgh offensive line to hold up better. And I don't think the Steelers are going to run successfully against Philly's defensive line. So I can really only look towards Pittsburgh's pass catching weapons in this game. And if I'm looking anywhere on Philadelphia, it's probably just going to be towards Greg Ward and maybe Miles Sanders in the passing game. And I, I just cannot trust Ertz right now uh, just because of how bad he's looked on tape, just watching him through four games this year. You know what, Chris, I'm, I'm really glad we're, that we're talking about this game and, and diving in deep into this one. You know what I'm sitting here thinking about? Like, yeah, I like the, the Wentz. I like his receptions if he could find five and a half. But the play that makes the most sense when you look at Philly 
is to play Carson Wentz rushing yards over, which is going to be 18 and a half. That's a really good play because I have a feeling that that offensive line is going to struggle against Pittsburgh and they're not going to be able to run. And are you going to count on Fulgrim again? Or I don't even know who the other guy was at the Killens or whatever his name. I mean, there's guys out there that we never even heard of. Um, and actually, it looks like Richard Rodgers, the guy who used to play for my Green Bay Packers at one point, he's like the other tight end that they put in there. He actually had a decent amount of targets last week. I think he had like five targets or something like that. But Ertz did have four catches last week. But, man, I, I'm starting to think the best play for Philly right now is going ahead and playing Carson Wentz over 18 and a half rushing yards. He's going to be yeah. running for his life. I think we both would agree on that. And yeah, I know that great. I know Dude, that sleepy. I just, it's 14 and a half at bet online right now. So I, I do agree with, he's had 37 and 65 rushing yards in the last two games. I, I love that. That's a great call right there. It's weird because I'm looking at, I'm looking at FanDuel and they have his rushing yards at 14 and a half. And I'm looking at DraftKings and you're right, 14 and a half. So I'm not even going to, I actually have my account open. I'm betting that right now. I'm betting the 14 and a half. And I might just turn around and take Carson Wentz under rushing yards at FanDuel and have a four yard middle. So maybe I'll do that one way or another. Um, I'm going to play. I'm definitely going to put some money and play there on wins. That's going to be an, a, an interesting game, Chris. So I think we both gave out, at least put the Steelers, popped them into a tease. And as we're talking about this, it doesn't sound like we have really anything positive to say about Philly. It doesn't seem like we're really thinking upset in any way. So I'm liking that one uh, again, that Steelers tease that we talked about. Let's jump over to the Ravens and the Bengals. Bengals going to be uh, plus 13 here, total 50 and a half. You know, I haven't put a lot of thought into this one, Chris, to be honest with you. Um, I wonder if Jackson goes off this week. You and I tried to go ahead and play him over his passing yards last week, and it was like two, I think it was like 213 or 211 or something like that. It, it was kind of low. We expected him to have a, a pretty decent week. But he it seems like he's back to, you know, where he's not accurate again. It's like, all right, dude, like, you're going up against the Bengals this week. Can you go ahead and and at least, you know, have somewhat of a decent week? His, his passing yards are up to, like, 225. So I wonder if – because, it, I mean, again, it was it was more negative, in, you know, in the media from, you know, talking the other day. So the fact that he's at 225 – Marquise Brown, 56 and a half. I think that's kind of juicy because we know he could blow the top off. He can get that in, you know, one catch. So I wonder I wonder if that's maybe where we go. How are you feeling about, you know, Jackson going into this game in particular, but maybe a guy like Brown going in and going over? Um, it's probably a, a, probably a plus EV bet because the air yards are there for him. Uh, he's like in a, there's a very good piece. I like to read every week is uh, from established to run.com. So shout out to them. They, they produce great fantasy content. They have an air yards by low model. So comparing air yards to the amount of production you're getting and then buying low on those guys in DFS for the following week. And Mark Marquise Brown has been popping in that air yards model. Um, 
So I, I'm never going to play it, Sleepy. I'm never going to play it. I'll probably not – probably wind up missing out on some money because I just can't – I just never will trust Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. And, and as much as we talked about it last week, be clear – I put out my official prop plays on the article every Saturday night, Sunday morning on bettingpredators.com. So this is our process episode. You know, we're talking about plays we're making personally and the process we do to go through that. And I thought we had a great conversation on the narrative of Lamar Jackson possibly going over the passing yards. Sleepy, not only did I not mention that on the player props article from last week, I didn't even bet that personally, even though it was on my list. At the end of the day, I just couldn't do it, especially when the Ravens are are, are, are such favorites on, on the spread, just like they are this week. I think, what is it, minus 13 and a half? I mean, talk about a chance where – why wouldn't you play the Bengals on a teaser up to like plus 19 and a half? That's another story for another day. But um, Joe Burrow has gone over 300 passing yards in each of the last three weeks, and I'm wondering if that could be a decent play. His totals on, on DraftKings at over 267 and a half. I'm not playing that. And and you're going to notice for me that I'm mostly playing, I think, 95, 90% of the time I'm playing running backs, receivers, and tight ends because you can really focus on routes run, on targets, and on snaps played. Whereas with the passing totals for these quarterbacks, a lot of fluky things could happen with game script. So um, having said all that, Marquise Brown, I think he is a good play, especially against a, a very bad Cincinnati secondary uh, I just can't trust anything attached to uh, Lamar Jackson's arm, especially in a game where the Ravens, again, are favored by 13 and a half. All right. Give me one second here. <clears throat> they don't even have Jackson on DraftKings, his yardage. They don't even have any. They're a bunch of fucking scumbags, man. I swear to God. Yeah, it sucks right now. They're a bunch of dirt bags. They won't even fucking put props up. I'm going to find a touchdown score for this game, I think. I'm going to take Brown to score a touchdown. Or Andrews. So I'm going to... I'm going to ask you about Mixon. Um, Coming off of his monster game, but the fact that he might be banged up a little bit. Um... Mixon's questionable with the shin injury. So, Chris, what do you think about Mixon? You know, he had a monster game. I mean, I guess you could say his career game. Guy goes off, you know, three TDs, ton of yards. But he's a little banged up, though, so he's questionable with the shin. Do we, you know, maybe go ahead and fade him? And let's say he is hurt. You know, do they trust Gio Bernard to go ahead and, and, you know, get extra touches against this Ravens defense? I don't know. You know, that would lead me to believe, well, maybe we play Burrow over. Maybe they just throw the kitchen sink and say, you know, good luck stopping, you know, Boyd Green and Higgins. Um, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of, you know, what I would do here, you know, maybe with, with Mixon. Or any of those Bengals, but do you have any any thought at all with any of the Bengals players? No, in, in the passing game, uh, it, it's it's a tough one here because the Ravens have one of the toughest secondaries to play against in the league here, and with them being thirteen and a half point favorites, they could really slow things down. So you're not seeing like you mentioned uh, Joe Joe Mixon's questionable tag right now. He's been questionable a lot over the last like 
basically over the last year, but he usually winds up playing, especially this early in the year. I would definitely bank on him playing. If somehow Mixon was out, I would absolutely look towards Gio Bernard over because he's been a pass catching specialist his entire career. And even this season, he's still taking away a lot of passing down work from Joe Mixon up to last week, at least. Um, so I would look there. Um, in terms of DraftKings, I mean, A.J. Green, the the over-under sitting at 39 and a half in, in this type of a matchup. I mean, he hasn't been doing it even close to that number all year. So I don't see how he would even clear 40 yards in this game. But it's just so low. He could get it on like two catches. So it's, it's, it's tough to bet the under on something like that. Um, somebody's got to get the yard somehow, right? Like on this Bengals offense. So maybe it's T Higgins. He, he, he might, he's so talented as a rookie, but maybe he gets the least amount of respect from the Ravens secondary at this point to where they might try to focus on slowing down Tyler Boyd. The thing with Tyler Boyd and you won, you, you made a great uh, prop play call last week, sleepy as you bet Tyler Boyd over uh, 58 and a half receiving yards against Jacksonville. Now his, his total on DraftKings is at 63 and a half. And Tyler Boyd, I, I believe this is the toughest slot receiver shadow matchup in the NFL because Marlon Humphrey for Baltimore is one of the rare cornerbacks that actually travels and shadows receivers in the slot. You don't really see that uh, very much in the NFL, even from top some of the top shadow defensive backs out there. So um, you don't ever want to really buy too much into slot receivers against Marlon Humphrey. So because of that, I would look towards Tyler Boyd's under, uh, but then again, I just worry about playing an under in, in a team that's you know 13 and a half point dogs, and they just might have a last drive at the end of the game where they're just putting up yardage and junk time. So unfortunately, man, there's there's not any plays I like at the moment in this game. Uh, and if Mixon was out, I probably would like the most would be Gio Bernard's uh, receiving numbers. Yeah, I think you were trending in the right direction there, Chris, with Boyd. You know, I watched every play of that Cincinnati Jaguars game last week, surprisingly, um, because I had a lot of a lot of money invested in the Boyd, and I could have easily won that bet by a half a yard. Literally, he got banged up in that game on three separate occasions. I mean, he took big licks. He was down. He was crawling off the football field. He was sitting on the sideline. And give that guy credit. You know, if if you're like, you know what, man, this dude, he's, he's you know, he's pulling up the bootlaces, man, and he's, he's well, I almost said the F word. He's out there, you know, he's playing. Like, this guy's gutting through it. Uh, he gutted through it last week. And I just wonder if he, how dinged up he is. There's no way in hell that he didn't go and, and, and jump in the ice bath. And the way that he, I mean, he took some major licks. And they were like three licks that he just took, not to mention on all the other catches he had. I mean, I think he had like nine catches in that game. I mean, he had a touchdown drop in the end zone. I mean, there were a couple of passes that he didn't catch last week that he still got banged up on. So I'm, I'm worried about his health, and I was worried about that in that game because I had a, a you know, I had a couple big bets on him in that particular game. So I'm wondering about his health. So um, I'll, I'll be with Chris here. Let's not dump our money on on Boyd again. We made our money last week. Good stuff. That was awesome. And let's not go ahead and, and think that he's going to duplicate that again. There's a chance he goes out and maybe takes a shot in the ribs or a shot in the thigh or something like that, somewhere where he got hit where he was hurt last week, and it just puts him down. And I don't think anybody would say, hey, man, you know what? Maybe they're down a couple of scores or something like that. Chris, they are a pretty big underdog. And maybe he's just like, you know what, man? Like, I, 
I can't go out there. Right? Like I, I need to, I need to chill for, you know, a week or so. And if they're down, maybe he just, you know, maybe he, he does take himself out of the game and nobody would probably blame that guy, you know, for the heart that he showed last week. So um, I just want to touch on that. Good point though, on that, Chris, that, that solid stuff there. Um, I think we covered pretty much the Bengals and the Ravens game. Yeah, that could be an ugly game right there. And, and mm-hmm. I just have to stress – you have to stress the Marlon Humphrey shadow coverage in the slot. And Marlon Humphreys is faster than Tyler Boyd. And you look at Tyler Boyd's yards per route run this season, it's a pretty decent, like, close to two. And Humphreys is allowing less than half of that in his coverage. So uh, you, you, might, you might have cashed in on Boyd's over Last week, I think you're probably more apt to cash on the under this week if you want to throw a pizza bet on it. I got to look a little more into it myself. But if anything, in terms of Bengals receivers, I would only look under for Boyd, and I would be afraid to bet overs on any of those other guys. You know, Chris, you make a good point that there's no reason why we probably should play the over. But, you know, maybe we should be playing the under, you know, because if, if, we're, if we're talking about, you know, a guy who – I mean, let's just face it. There's a lot of mouths to feed in that offense, and this is this is going to be a tough defense. You know, the Ravens are going to go out and try to play, you know, a whole hell of a lot better in this game. Maybe Boyd does take himself out of his game if he gets a couple of licks, and you know, Baltimore is going to be trying to take out, you know, put put some serious, you know, some serious hits on on the Bengals' best players. I would agree with you. You know, I think that that's certainly the way to look. And you know, you mentioned the pizza bet on that. Maybe we just go ahead and we we being you know wise guys today. And we say, hey, we made our money last week playing on them. Maybe we just go ahead and fade them this weekend. There are a couple of things in our in our favor. And as we talked about in the Washington game, um, there's a very good chance that we might end up seeing weather in this game because, you know, they're only, what, 35 miles from each other. So if we see a lot of weather in this game. Maybe Boyd doesn't get there even if he is healthy and he's catching passes. You never know. Maybe they maybe they yeah. Maybe this game just gets ugly. I think the total actually came down in this game. What, what did the total open up in this one? Uh, 50 and a half. It's still at 50 and a half. As I said, the, you know, the forecast is kind of a little bit murky. But let's jump over to the Dolphins and the 49ers. Chris, we have the 49ers minus nine. And the total in this one is 50 and a half as well. Looks like Jimmy G will be back. So I'm guessing that we're not going to find any props on this game. I'd be willing to bet. Yeah, we, we the, the reason why, too, is that uh, Mostert's questionable. So it's look, looking like that could be a game-time decision for him there. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting game here. Do you, what do you – give me some odds here on Tua playing. You think you think this is maybe the Tua debut or no? I overshot my, uh, my, my Tua load earlier in the season. I thought he was going to get in by, like, week three against the Bills. But uh, you cautioned me on that. You wound up being right. Uh, but but in the news this week, there was the, uh, I don't think um, uh, the head coach there he didn't commit to Ryan Fitzpatrick until until about Tuesday or Wednesday. So, ooh, against a tough San Francisco team, uh, I think the time for two is coming sooner rather than later. That's for sure. And I guess my only hope here is that is Tua can hold up because we know he's been banged up over the last year, year and a half. So you know. I, I don't think it's too much longer because the Dolphins obviously don't look like a playoff team this year. So I would, I would say the over under is, uh, is looking pretty low for two to get in there pretty soon, man. Yeah. I don't know. I'm just, I'm trying to think if he would even play because then you have to kind of take a lot of the wide receivers probably out of the game. 
Like, you don't know who the hell he's been practicing with. You don't know who he likes. Um, I would probably stay away from all the Dolphins guys in this game. Yeah. All the, the, the thing is, Miami's bye, I don't think, is until week 10 or something like that. It, it's they, they got a few weeks to go, I think, until their bye. Yeah, I believe it's week 10 about where the Dolphins have their bye. So you brought it up. I think you made a great point earlier in the year is that the Dolphins don't want to throw two into the fire against tough matchups. And they obviously have a tough match. As much as the 49ers are banged up on defense, the Dolphins do have a tough matchup this weekend. Uh, they're at San Francisco. And the San Francisco 49ers, they still have a, a very solid depth on the line and in the secondary. So I think it's going to be tough sledding. And this this is also, we talked about three slow-paced games this this week. And uh, one is the Colts and Browns. The second we spoke about already, which is the Rams and Washington. Uh, this is the other one. This is uh, this is Miami and San Francisco projects one to be one of the slower paced games here. And in the game where San Francisco is favored pretty heavily, they might look to run out the clock in this game and, and just run it down the Dolphins' throat. So, uh, and you look at the Dolphins' upcoming schedule. They play the the Broncos and Chargers and Rams. So three pretty solid defenses. At least two of those three are pretty solid. Uh, maybe after that they give Tua a shot because then they have the Cardinals, the Jets, and the Jets. They actually play the Jets in back-to-back weeks. So wouldn't it be no better time to start Tua than when you play the, the New York Jets in consecutive weeks? Uh, according to your theory, which I think is pretty solid, that, that that might be when it happens, Sleepy. You know what? I'm sitting here looking at the schedule, and I think that, that we see Tua when they play Denver. I wouldn't be shocked if he makes a cameo appearance in this game, but I won't be surprised if he plays Denver. The reason being is he can win that game. And they obviously, like you were just saying, you know, they have the Jets back-to-back with a bye week stuck in between. You know, they could win that game. They could win both of those games. Then they have, you know, the Bengals right after the Jets game. So it's like, let's put this kid in a position to, you know, create some type of excitement in games that he can win. Maybe this isn't the game. It was going to be a tough one. I would think more than anything, Chris, that Fitzpatrick going on the road against San Francisco is, is not going to be an easy out. This might be where the door opens and says, look, you know, he, he threw three interceptions. You know, we got blown out in the game. And maybe if this is a 31, you know, 16 type of game or 31, 10, where, you know, he looks bad. And then maybe they just make the call next week and they're like, boom, you know, two is going to play against Denver. And maybe they were playing on this, you know, all along, whatever. Maybe Fitzpatrick kind of, you know, maybe they know that, you know, these guys aren't going to tell you exactly what's happening, but I wouldn't be shocked if they play him in that Denver game because then they get to come right back home where, you know, they want to build excitement and it would be exciting to have, you know, Herbert against Tua in their first home game. So that would be pretty interesting. And that's a, I think that's like a, no, that is, sorry. Well, that, yeah, you read my mind, Sleepy, because that's scheduled for 1 o'clock, but wouldn't you love to see that game flex to a Sunday night or even rescheduled to a primetime game? Because that would be the perfect situation. You get one start under Tua's belt against Denver in uh, in week six, and then you got the showdown between Herbert and Tua. I mean, narrative-wise, speak, narrative speaking that way, I, I would love to see that personally, but you know, we'll see what happens. You never know with the way that the, you know COVID is screwing up the schedule. You never know how they might, you know try to mess with the schedule a little bit you never know but um i don't really have a whole lot in that one chris that, that just it didn't didn't really resonate with me this week i think my my main takeaway is probably just stay away from the dolphins players i think that that's probably a, an easy way to go 
Yeah. Sleepy, just if Mostert is ruled out, I mentioned it on the week five preview pod, you got to look towards McKinnon over rushing and then maybe McKinnon over his rushing and receiving prop combined whenever that number comes out. So if Mostert plays, I'm staying away because that could be a 50-50 split. But if Mostert's out, I think McKinnon's at like a top 10 fantasy RB for the week. He's in an absolute smash spot against that defense. You know, I think it's a good thing that McKinnon is healthy. You know, that this guy finally gets to get out on the football field and gets to show what he can do. Now, he's probably not the same guy that he was before, you know, he went down with all the injuries. But the fact that he's getting on the on the football field right now, you have to assume that this guy's like really playing for his future. The fact that he has to split right now, he's like, look, I'm limited right now to go ahead and show what I can do. At least if I can go out and play my rear end off and if I'm going to get the looks and I'm going to get the touches, he's going to make the best of it. Well, then he's making the best of his future, you know, because he's not going to get any any big, big contract. I mean, it's just not going to happen. Now, granted, look, this guy's probably set for life, granted. But, you know, there could be another, you know, two, three-year deal, you know, coming up here soon if he can go out and be like, look, you know, I could help any football team. You know, I could help this football team. Um, maybe he goes out and he, he gives everything he has. I mean, I don't see why he wouldn't. This is his one opportunity when he is healthy, so – um, if Mostert's out, I like that idea too, Chris. I was looking at him too um, to go ahead and try to maybe pick him up, but obviously, our you know we got ninety teams in our fantasy league, so um, there isn't anybody left except for you know a bunch of bum guys I've never heard of. But um, I like that one. Why don't we jump over to Giants and the Cowboys? Cowboys going to be minus eight total in this one, fifty four. Uh, the Cowboys, Tyron Smith is going to be out with a season-ending neck injury. Now, Chris, I gave this out. This was my best bet on our podcast. I went ahead, I took the Cowboys. I laid the nine and a half points. The fact that this number is coming down, let me just tell you this. I don't care. I ain't worried about money coming in against the Cowboys. All right? That that that, that could be um, – that that certainly isn't a sharp move, you know, trying to make a hit. That, that is money coming in here on the Giants. Nobody likes the Cowboys. But whatever the case might be, uh, go ahead. And they, everybody can go ahead and, and bet the Giants if they want. But I like the Cowboys a lot this week. I think they boat raced the Giants. I think they absolutely smashed them. Um, I'll let you go ahead and rip and run on this one first. Tell me what you think about Giants Cowboys. I'm kind of lost again with this one, player prop wise. Uh, maybe whatever you say, I can kind of, you know, kind of feed off your stuff. Uh, yeah. Well, it's it's a hundred percent clear for me in this game, Sleepy. It's all about Darius Slayton. Uh, the to- the total. It's all about Darius Slayton. The total is at 56 and a half over under receiving yards at bet online uh, over all day for me. I, I think he clears 60 in this game. You talk about one of the worst secondaries in the league. And, you know, we've been two and zero over the last two weeks with Darius Slayton. Two weeks ago, we played over his receiving yards total. Last week, we played under because he was being shadowed by Jalen Ramsey. And we snuck that one in as well. Uh, in this case, no shadow coverage to worry about. He is the clear cut number one receiver. No Saquon Barkley, no Sterling Shepard. Uh, he is the only deep threat, the only intermediate threat, for that matter, for the Giants. And this could be the most time that Daniel Jones has in the pocket all year through five weeks now. So uh, I, I was curious to see what the number would come out to be on Slayton. And I think just because the Giants have struggled so much, you mentioned it in your Frauds and Gods, your weekly column piece on bettingpredators.com of Daniel Jones being a fraud. And I think you're absolutely right on there. The fact they scored one touchdown through all this time, but Darius Slayton is in a great spot DFS wise. 
I think he actually might be pretty high owned in this game because of the projected script for the Giants having to throw from behind against a bad secondary. So to me, Darius Slayton, clear cut, his uh, receiving yards total is just way too low. And um, I I don't know what this is, Sleepy, but the over-under on his receptions, when I first clicked it on Bet Online, it, it's set to over five and a half, and the odds on that was plus two hundred. Um, but if you go down to four and a half, you'll get pretty much even odds, like at minus one fourteen. So um, I, the yardage, because he is that deep threat of Darius Slayton, I think he's a very talented receiver. And like I said, Jones will have the time to look down the field t- towards his way. So that that's where I'm looking in this game overall, and then. With the Cowboys side, I, I hesitate to be bullish. I think we're 2-0 and on Amari Cooper props. We, we bet the over on his catches for both games so, so far that we've given out. But in this type of game, and like you said, you're very confident on them covering the spread. In that case, how much are they really going to need to throw in this game? And that's the thing that worries me about betting the overs on any props for the Cowboys here. So uh, I'm going to look a little more into that in terms of specific defensive back matchups that maybe Lamb, uh, Cooper, Gallup has on the outside, see how the matchup looks like for Dalton Schultz. I mean, there's so many ways to attack this, but to me, before any numbers even came out from the beginning of last week, I was all about Slayton over, and to me, the number is, is right to attack, and I would play Darius Slayton over up to at least 60 in this game here in week five. All right, I'm going to give you guys a crazy play. I'm going to give you a jumbo payout. You guys might like this one. Chris probably won't. He'll probably be against me on this one. But I'm going to give you guys somebody to score a touchdown. But I'm going to make you go ahead and bet him to go ahead and score two. And that's going to be Wayne Gallman. You can get him at 16-1. to one. Now, Gallman last week, I think he had... Uh, maybe it was like 13, 14, 15 touches. He had a bunch of touches in that game last week. Now, I know Freeman's back there. Freeman's not going to last a season, I'll tell you right now. There's no way that that guy's going to play every game all season long. He, all it takes is one good hit, and he's done. But I like the fact that I can get a running back, and, and it's hard for you to find you know decent running backs against really bad teams who have just terrible defenses where you can get like a 16-1, two TD prop. And we know that the Cowboys secondary is just absolutely brutal where, you know, they might just be lost. And I think it could be an easy dump down to Gallman or maybe Gallman just gets loose. I mean, he had, I think he had last week, he had four targets or something like that. But he had like, you know, I think he had 10 rushes last week. But at 16 to 1, um, that's pretty good for, for a guy who's who's splitting, splitting carries and splitting catches. So, uh, again, it's just a crazy play. It's more of a of a hunch. But I'll give you guys that so you can thank me if that comes in that it's Wayne Gallman to score two TDs at 16 to 1. Chris, how you feel about that one? Go ahead and tell me, tell me why I'm nuts. Dude, you're you're nuts, man. Sleepy. If it was one touchdown for 16 to 1, I would see some some value there. But man, two touchdowns? I don't know, man. You're you're like you're you're the you're the touchdown prop king over here. So I'm not gonna throw throw shade on your parade, but to score two, that, that's just out of my wheelhouse, man. I can't touch that one. You know what's crazy is that they won't even offer you receiving yards. They won't offer you rushing yards, but they will offer you for him to score. You know what his to score is? Plus 260. 
that's absolutely that, like that just tells me that they they're afraid to put the rushing yards out and they're afraid to put the receiving yards out. The fact that he's two sixty, I mean, I could I I could rattle off guys on here right now that are plus two sixty that you would go. Well, I mean, he's a lot better than Wayne Gallman. He that guy's a lot better than Wayne Gallman. I mean, I uh, I mean, I'm not even going to go down the list because we just don't have time. But anyway, you're right. I am nuts, but I do think that Gallman's going to end up in the end zone. So if you want to take the plus two sixty, go for it. I think that's a junk payout. I I would rather just go ahead and just say, you know what, pizza bet sixteen to one. Why not? Let's yeah, see. sleepy. And just like just we're, we're going to wrap this up here soon with our last game, but. With Wayne Gallman, personally, I think he is their best running back. He, he looked very, very good in limited action last year when Barkley went down in 2019. And I don't know why they haven't given him more run yet, but you saw this past weekend. He had six carries for 45 yards, averaged 7.5 yards per carry. And, you know, uh, a week ago against the 49ers, he also had three targets. So I, I would hope that they would get him more involved in both the running game and the passing game because – I think he's still a better player than Freeman, but you know we'll we'll see what the coaching staff decides to do there. But the thing that kills me, man, with the props in these books is like you look at like they'll set an over under. Oh, uh, you know X player. Let's let's say like we're talking about Slayton that he's over five and a half receptions, and then you try to play the under, and they don't offer the under at the same pli- at the same price. They offer you the under at three and a half, or they're offering you the, they offer the under with the same catches, but it's minus two hundred. So. You know, we're the, the books are catching up. They're only catching up with the fact that they have to charge more for these bets. They don't know. They still don't know how to set these lines. So it just means we have to look a little bit harder. But the lines are still there. They they don't know how to set them properly. The only thing they know is that they need to charge more on the vig, and that's the problem here. So we got to deal with a lot of BS. But they, there are still enough numbers out there for us to attack, and that's why we're still doing this podcast each week just because of that reason alone. You know, one of the things I'm thinking about, and I meant to say this when we were talking about this game, is the fact that, you know, I'm going to go right back to that Atlanta Falcons game and, and my handicap on that one that, you know, that their defensive secondary is just absolutely brutal. The Cowboys cannot afford to go and get embarrassed to get beat because of their because of their defense, especially their pass defense. So – my feeling, and that was my my first thought was, you know, what the hell is Gallman's rushing yards? Because I'll tell you right now, Dallas is going to end up dropping six guys, seven guys in coverage each and every time that that, that the Giants snap the ball. They are not going to get beat in this game. They'll be playing too deep coverage with two guys shadowing, uh, linebackers dropping back. They'll be doing anything that they can and say, if you're going to beat us, beat us with Wayne Gallman and beat us with Devontae Freeman. That's how the Giants are going to have to beat them in this game. And the fact that I can't find any receiving or rushing yards and his one score total is at plus 260, it's just telling me, like, something's not – I mean, Zach Ertz is at plus 225. That's Zach Ertz. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make any sense. Like, there's something not right about it. The Cowboys are going to drop all their guys in coverage. So, And I don't like Freeman over because Freeman gets hit once. He's That guy's just fragile. He can go down. But go ahead and – you know, be nuts with me. Why not? We'll play Gallman two touchdowns. So that's what I'm thinking. All right, let's jump over to our final game here, Chris. We got the Colts and the Browns. We got uh, the Browns right now. Pick them. Seems like a lot of money coming in here on Cleveland. And the total 47 and a half. Um, I'll tell you one. This made me smile. I was looking at receiving props for this game. And Chris knows some of the moves I make when it comes to fantasy because he's the uh, he's the commissioner. 
and he saw that I traded Juju Smith-Schuster for Odell Beckham and Wayne Gallman, who we just talked about. And I'm looking at Beckham's receiving yards in this game, Chris, and it's 63 and a half. And I'm like, oh, man. I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I just got to hear what Chris has to say about that one. I'm willing to bet that you probably think that Odell isn't going to catch 63 yards of uh, passing this week. So why don't you go ahead and talk about that one. Tell me what you think. You know, are we looking at Kareem Hunt maybe passing yards over 24 and a half? Um, what do you think about that game? Tell me what you're thinking. Uh, I, I just can't um, – I can't project passing numbers in this game right now because these are like the two most – you know, establish the run. These are the two teams that want to do that the most in 2020. So which team will be able to do that first? And will that team put the other one in a position to have to actually throw the ball? So I'm seeing limited prop numbers in this game right now. We all know Kareem Hunt. He's been banged up with a groin injury. So he was finally taken off with the questionable tag. So he's good to go for this game. Um, so it's which team is going to be stuck where they have to throw? I'm not sure. I definitely know if anything, I would lean towards the under in this game because you know what both teams want to do. But Sleepy, in terms of your prop, I don't see the number on OBJ, at least on Bet Um, But I do think you got the better of that deal, specifically because, as again, we're in a 20-team league. Like, deep leagues are like 14, 16 teams. Like, we decided to be, like, absolutely nuts, you know, like batshit crazy, and we did 20 teams. So the fact you got Wayne Gallman in the deal – as a potential starting running back or flex option, to me, that means you won the trade hands down just for that reason alone. I had Juju and Beckham both as sell highs, so I'm not really on one side or the other there. Um, but yeah, any, anyways, like th- this is a tough game to project, man, like I said. And I, I would look towards a guy like a Zach Pascal. He's been running routes and getting targets ahead of T.Y. Hilton. And his over-under yardage, Sleepy, is set at 44 and a half. Um, but again, if the Colts are the team that jump out to the lead and establish the run on their side, they're not going to want to put it in Phillip Rivers' arm and want to pass it too much. Um, but out of the limited numbers I'm seeing here, that's probably the only place I would look at this point is uh, a guy like a Zach Pascal who might be underrated in the market. And regardless of game flow, his yardage total might be set too low in the first place. So, um, yeah, th- this might be a really ugly – you might see like – 50 to 60 combined carries from both teams in this game. So I'm kind of looking to stay away from the pass catchers. And, uh, you know, hopefully Kareem Hunt has a really big day. I've got I've got him in our league. And, you know, he could wind up getting 20-plus carries. And hopefully he stays healthy. He could, he could have a huge day on the ground, uh, just like Jonathan Taylor on the other side. You know, I'm thinking, Chris, so let me ask you this question. Without looking, because I think it's going to be important that you don't look. If we had to play a head-to-head in this one, Rivers versus Mayfield, passing yards, who would you take? Ooh, man. I think Rivers is washed, but I don't know why. I still think that Rivers, I would put him over first. Um, because uh, the Browns have actually been so – they've been so successful running the – take out the week one – blowout loss to the Ravens and the Browns have actually been extremely successful running the ball. The fact that they're at home and maybe like, don't call me crazy here. Just hear me out. Like Chubb is out. So Kareem Hunt is like the guy in that backfield. 
maybe the fact that one of those two Chubb and Hunt is out means that the other one can really get their legs going and get, and build some momentum and not have to split 50-50 snaps and carries. So could the Browns actually be more effective running the ball with just one of the two as opposed to having both in the backfield? So in that case, with all those things considered, I would have to lean towards the Browns setting the tone in this game and therefore Phillip Rivers on the road would have to throw more to keep up so that's why I would lean. It's not a like by any means, but I would have if gun to head, I would have to lean towards Philip Rivers having to throw more, therefore getting more passing yards than Mayfield in this game. All right. So the fact that you think that that makes me really excited because I thought the same thing. And if you go to DraftKings, and let me give you two books. Let me tell you what they're doing here. If you go to DraftKings right now, Philip Rivers is two thirty-five, and Baker Mayfield is. 244 so they have mayfield over by nine yards now if you go over to FanDuel, they have philip rivers two yards more than baker they have rivers at 241 so if you're going to bet an over in this game you go ahead and you go over to DraftKings and you bet rivers over is 235 but i think that the fact that chris and i are talking about rivers and the fact that one book has him over Mayfield, and I believe FanDuel is the book sometimes that you can find head-to-heads, and it looks like you may get, I'm going to guess you'll probably just get, it might be even, maybe a yard. Um, I would go to FanDuel on Sunday and look for a head-to-head matchup Rivers against Mayfield and find and bet Rivers um, to go ahead and win that matchup. That's just the way that I feel about that one. Um, Sleepy, I, I, I got to jump in because, you know, we're looking at so many things when we're doing this recording right now is I just pulled up T.Y. Hilton receiving yards, and it's 53 and a half. And, again, projected to be possibly the lowest pace, slowest pace, maybe one of the lower scoring games on the slate, if not the lowest scoring game. T.Y. Hilton has had 53 yards as his season high in receiving this year. And that includes week one where the, they trailed for most of the game against Jacksonville and T Y Hilton had nine targets and 53 yards. His over under right now on bet online is 53 and a half and you can actually take the under. So I would absolutely look towards T Y Hilton under, you talk about Philip rivers being washed. T Y Hilton's looking pretty washed this year so far. And in this, and, and if the Colts jump out to a lead, then you're absolutely going to cash that T.Y. Hilton under because he has not even come close to that all year. He's had 53-52 with the other two games. He's had 29 and 28. So I would more than happy, more than happily play the statistics and the numbers there and play T.Y. Hilton under 53 and a half receiving yards. No, I don't even think Rivers could probably get him the ball. I mean, to be honest with you, I mean, he's, You know, I, I think T.Y. is, you know, he needed a guy with a really strong arm like Andrew Luck who was accurate. I mean, you're getting a guy whose arm is, you know, far weaker and probably now less accurate. But, I mean, if you go back and you look at Hilton, uh, I went back and I looked at, like, you got to go back to 2018, back to, like, I don't know what it was. I think, Chris, you had, like, week five or something, but I think it was actually, like, week 13, the last time that, like, T.Y. has had 100 yards receiving. Like, it's been that long. So clearly, um, and it's not like Rivers is targeting him. So 
does that worry me a little bit for our head to head? Maybe it does, you know, but um, I, I don't think you could just, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet Chris that anybody that ever played TY, especially over the last year, they're not, they're not, they're not still betting him uh, because he hasn't really, he hasn't done anything for you. And my guess is he's probably not on the Colts next year. I wish I could make a bet on that, but we'll save that for another day. Well, Chris, here we go again. Another hour and 40 minute podcast. You and I just talking through games like we do. Um, this is probably the coolest podcast that we do, though. This one's fun just because we get to talk and push back on each other with, you know, not any real, you know, anybody like, you know, to, to kind of just jump in and, and give their thoughts. But it's more of me and you just talking through stuff. And, you know, we found really good bets last week doing this. And I think our, a lot of our listeners were happy that we broke down the games you know we gave out a lot of fantasy picks we gave out a lot of prop plays um and we did good and and that that's kind of the goal is you know at least keep everybody's head above water and i'm sure at some point through all these games we touched on guys that you know people were thinking about using or not using and using guys that they never heard of like jeff smith so um there you go that'll wrap up our podcast guys hope you guys enjoyed it sorry i'm still a little hoarse Still feeling a little sick, but we're doing our thing here. But with that yeah, said, sleepy, you guys. Yeah, Sleepy, sorry. I Just one last shameless plug here for bettingpredators.com is that we've, we're putting out a lot of great weekly content on the site. And I, I got to stress going to check out Smooths. You, you, you hear his handicaps on the preview pile we put out each week. He puts out an awesome article every week. We get it up Friday night is his matchups column. And he's writing like, basically one to two paragraphs on every game, diving deep into PFF data, things like DVOA, uh, yards per play, things like that. He's given out likes, leans, player props uh, on, on, his, on his games, matchup up breakdowns as well. I'm putting out my player props article every Saturday night slash Sunday morning. And then you can also check out Dan Rivera Saturday night. He's putting out his look ahead line. So he's going to give you the best lines available for week six, on Saturday night, so you can get those before they move, before the sharp betters attack those numbers and move them in the books. So, all I can say is there's a lot of great content being put out on our site right now. Go to bettingpredators.com, scroll to the bottom of any individual article, enter your email, and hit subscribe. It's that simple. It's all free, and you'll get an email alert every single time we drop an article. I'm putting out my weekly waiver wire picks for fantasy, I'm putting out my weekly fantasy rankings as well. In addition to my player props, Sleepy has a column every week. We're going to have a, a column from Mackenzie Rivers every week soon. So uh, a lot of great things to come. And I think a lot of value if you're listening here that you can get from the website. So make sure to subscribe not only to the podcast, but to the website as well. Yeah, 100% subscribe to the website because you never know what we'll do. Uh, once you guys are subscribed, you don't know what we'll send you and uh, some of the cool things that you guys might be getting in the future. So. I'll just leave it at that. I won't spill any beans, but if you guys are listening, jump over to betting predators and subscribe. Uh, with that said, that's it guys. That's it for our podcast. Chris and I went again. What time is it now? Chris, uh, three, that's three 30. Cool. So I'll be up in time for the NRL game, which I'll be betting tonight. We're betting that under Chris, if you want a free one, <laughs> uh, <down>. anyway, <laughs> say what? Oh, no, so I'm, I'm down, man. Just let me know which team to bet the under on, and I'm all about it. Just bet the game under, 44 and a half, Parramatta and uh, South Sydney. We'll bet under 44 and a half. 
But uh, by the time this comes out, those guys, that game will probably be already off. But anyways, that's it, guys. That's it for the pod. I'm Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter, Sleepy J underscore pregame. That's Chris Dell, the Mad Journalist, fantasy football guru. You guys can get him at Mad Journalist. Uh, big thanks to all the listeners. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this one. Uh, make sure you retweet this one out. Uh, this is probably going to end up being, you know, one of our most listened to podcasts because of, you know, the deep dive stuff that me and Chris go through. And you guys just get really our, our raw thoughts. You know, this isn't really necessarily all handicapped out because we're, we're just getting these numbers that are actually coming out, which, you know, you can hear us, you know, we talk crap on the books, but that's just because they're scared of us. That's all that is. But anyway, guys, that's it. I'm done. I'm out. My voice is shot. I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the games.